Hello and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a culture and conversation podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with detox. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and for this episode, uh, we actually have another Detox Rewind episode. But again, like the one a little while ago featuring my appearance on The Reality Is with Anthony Roberts, I decided I would bring up another episode that I was a guest on of a different podcast that you may not know of. So one thing that I decided I would do on these Detox Rewind episodes uh, when we don't have a guest or we're taking a break for whatever reason, I figured I would play the appearance that I had on a different podcast. You get to hear that person, their style, me reacting to questions, being interviewed for a chance, and just kind of shake it up a little bit. Um, But of course, when we do have different Detox Rewind episodes or clip shows, best of shows, we'll still have that as well, but wanted to have a different uh, perspective. So I am going, what you're going to hear today is actually my appearance on a podcast called This Is Parenting. And it was This Is Parenting, episode number 22, Finding His Role as Dad with Joe Shaw, featuring yours truly. And it was originally released on June 4th, 2019. Now, uh, with this podcast, it was really interesting because uh, after I spoke at Dad 2.0 in 2019, uh, I started getting uh, some Instagram tags or posts being shared or people referencing me, or I started showing up in a lot of uh, circles with a lot of these different influencer dads. And as a result of that, Andrea Rhodes uh, reached out to me and asked me if I would be a guest on her podcast. She had interviewed uh, Andy Shaw, no relation, uh, who I had met at Dad 2.0, and uh, he had mentioned or she had found me through a similar means and asked me to come on the show. So I absolutely said yes. Andrea was fantastic, and I thoroughly enjoyed my time with her. I wish I had an opportunity to go back on her show. Unfortunately, the show is not active anymore. However, I did want to go ahead and bring up this episode, give us a chance to revisit the story, have the story live on in this form and fashion, and uh, give Andrea a little bit of love. Now, while her podcast is not currently active, feel free to go follow her on Instagram. It's at Andrea, A-N-D-R-E-A underscore Rhodes, R-H-O-A-D-E-S on Instagram. So Andrea is fantastic. Andrea, if you're listening, thank you so much for having me on your show all of those times ago. I really, really appreciated it. Now, before we dive into that episode, I did want to let you know that today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Snuffy. Snuffy is a clothing brand about empowering you to show your weird unapologetically with bravery and confidence. 10% of profit goes to LGBTQ plus organizations led by trans people of color. Shop online now at snuffy.co. That's snuffy, S-N-U-F-F-Y dot C-O. And the owner and operator of Snuffy is good friend of the podcast, Nick Silvestri. So if you like the logo, you want to go support him, go check it out, snuffy.co. And by Empire Toys. Nostalgia is something everyone loves, and Empire Toys in Keller, Texas is on nostalgia overload. With toys and action figures from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and today, Empire Toys is a one-stop shop for a trip down memory lane and a chance to reclaim what was once yours, but likely sold at a garage sale. Check out Empire Toys on Facebook, Instagram, or at TheEmpireToys.com. Now, if this is your first time coming to the Detox Podcast, welcome. I hope you enjoy your stay. I hope you enjoy the episode and that you'll come back and listen next time. If you're a returning listener, thank you so much for coming. Uh, We hope that the following episode allows you to kick back, relax, detox from the world around you, and give you some... Uh, a break in your day so that way you can 
leave feeling recharged and ready to go make a more inclusive world. Now, without further ado, my conversation on the This Is Parenting podcast with Andrea Rhodes from June 4th, 2019 will be right up after this. What's going on? My name is Joe Shaw, and I host the music podcast After the Encore. After the Encore is a long-form career retrospective podcast that takes you behind the music of some of your favorite artists. Musicians like John Oates of Holland Oates, Chris Kirkpatrick of NSYNC, and Jarrett Reddick of Bowling for Soup, and many others. Each season of the podcast is themed around a different topic, like the boy bands of the 90s, badass women in music, or even artists that were featured on the TV show, The Voice. I am committed to taking you deep inside an artist's mind to find out why they do what they do, what does music mean to them, and how do they quantify success. We tell an overarching story which will take you not only behind the music, but into the psyche of the artists themselves. After the Encore is a proud member of the Roberts Media Group podcast family. Check us out on any of your favorite podcast platforms today. For so long, you've had dads and who have not been involved because of societal norms that have been placed on them. And then, or also kind of like a, you know, stay out of here, you know, this is woman's work kind of broad generalization. And so now we're as a society trying to shift and say, we want everybody involved across the board, but you don't provide the resources for these dads who want to get involved to get involved. So I decided to make a podcast, which is the detox podcast, which I'm the host of. That's Joe Shaw. Joe is a dad of two living in Texas and is a host of his own show about parenting called Detox Podcast. I really enjoyed having Joe on the show because he brought some really interesting perspectives and topics up that I think you're going to love. He shares about how he's always wanted to be a dad, even having names picked out for his future kids when he was in high school. With all that enthusiasm, Joe looked for parenting resources to help him prepare for baby number one, but found that almost everything was geared towards moms or played into that bumbling idiot dad trope. So he started his own show to tackle the issues dads were coming to him with. We talk about a few of those issues in today's episode, like how to effectively communicate with your partner, Joe's unique concern about social media, and his favorite piece of advice to give to new dads. Welcome to the This Is Parenting podcast, a show devoted to sharing the roller coaster journey of parenthood from moms and dads all over the world. I'm your host, Andrea Rhodes. Information and show notes about today's episode can be found at thisisparentingpodcast.com. Let's get started. Sure. So I work in, or I work, I live and work in Texas. And so I've got two, uh, two children, a uh, four-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old, a daughter and a son, and they're just absolutely fantastic. So it, the, my, I guess my, you know, 
parenting journey kind of started, you know, a couple of years ago. And it, it became, it was interesting to me that it was something where I was super enthusiastic about that. It was something like, you know, I, I think a lot of dads talk about like, they don't think about having kids or they don't think about this or that. But man, I was like a teenager thinking about names for my kids. I've been super enthused about being a dad for a long time. And when I finally got the opportunity, I was ready to dive in and I found that while there was a lot of fantastic resources for moms and parents in general, there was a surprisingly like a lackluster amount of resources for dads. A lot of the resources I found were very tied to the idea of like, well, your one job as a dad is to not screw up, right? And it's like, okay, I don't quite know what it is. It was under the assumption that dads are, are bumbling idiots most of the time. And, and it felt very frustrating for me. And so I kind of, push through that roadblock and went, whatever, I'm just going to consume everything I can and just make it work. And it, it worked. But I found that when my daughter was about one and a half, I had coworkers that were coming up to me and having similar frustrations about they wanted to be involved dads, but they didn't know where to start. And the only reason they came up to me was because they knew I had a kid. And, and so they said, you know, how, what resources are there? And I said, well, there's not really any. And I found two instances that would happen when I had coworkers do this. One is they would do like I did and they would say, whatever, I'm just going to make the best of it and push through and, and make it work. Or they would have another situation where they would say, you know what, then I think this is a sign I need to just defer to my wife and, or my partner and, and do whatever they say. And that's also frustrating because you, you have for so long, you've had dads and who have not been involved because of societal norms that have been placed on them. And then, or also kind of like a, you know, stay out of here. You know, this is, woman's work kind of broad generalization. And so now we're as a society trying to shift and say, we want everybody involved across the board, but you don't provide the resources for these dads who want to get involved to get involved. So I decided to make a podcast, which is the detox podcast, which I'm the host of and the D stands for dad. So it's dad talks. And it was created as a resource for dads to kind of get an idea of what they can expect from parenting and then also have a community where they hear other dads and other parents alike share their various individual parenting journeys and what triumphs they've had, what struggles they've had to overcome and work through. And just a more, I guess, on a more broad level, it's just knowing that you're not alone and you're part of a larger collective of parents. And, you know, I know one of the things you talk about on the show is that, you know, we're all just trying to raise happy and healthy kids. And so at the end of the day, that's what we want to do. And, and for dads to feel like they're a part of something was huge for me. And it's kind of evolved from there, but that's, that's kind of my shtick and what uh, I'm all about. <laughs> I love that. And we're going to talk more about your podcast because I really love your show as well. Um, but first, I want to dive in a little bit. When you say that your coworkers were coming up and you, to you and they wanted to kind of grab you and, and seek some advice on how to get more involved, what does get more involved mean? What did that mean sure. in your circle of friends and other dads? Sure. It's a good question. So I think one of the most common questions was what can I expect in the pregnancy phase? Like what is normal? How can I be, how can I be a help, not a hindrance? When, is, when do I need to be a problem solver? When do I need to just listen? When do I need to, you know, go to the appointments? When is it okay to, you know, maybe not go if there is such a thing, just kind of general advice on that. And then pivoting, it was a lot of what is normal? you know, what is normal for my kid to have? What is normal? And the thing I kept saying is, look, normal's a lot, a lot of things, right? So I, I think you got to find that, you know, 
children aren't as as breakable as we may think they are at first. And so you need to really understand that you don't need to rush into the ER for every single thing. You need to really have a good pediatrician that you trust. You need to know when you can kind of like wait and see as opposed to giving medication or taking them in. And you need to also understand that you're not going to know the answers. I think a lot of dads thought that like you've had a kid so you must have the answer book. And if you can pass that book on, that'd be great. And it's like, no, there's not, there's not a book. You find out very quickly that there's not a book and you've just got to kind of wing it and, and trial and error. This works, that didn't work. Why did this work? This works because my kid responds well to this because of whatever reason. And sometimes there is no reason and you just got to kind of move forward. And so it was a lot of reassuring my coworkers that this is normal. It's normal to feel overwhelmed. It's normal to not know the answers and it's okay and you're going to fail but you're also going to succeed because you're going to work through those failures and learn from them and then not make the same mistake twice. So it sounds like it kind of came in two buckets where one was more on the education side, actual information about child rearing. Then there seemed to be this other bucket that I would love to talk about more and that seems to be how to successfully partner with your wife or your baby mama, how to actually navigate that relationship. Is that accurate? Yes, that is accurate. So I would love to talk a little bit more about the latter in terms of how you approach that in the types of advice or um, conversation you had around navigating that tricky um, that trickiness with this new phase in your relationship with your partner and, and how to make the most of it and get a little bit, get what you want out of it. Cause it sounds like uh, these dads were coming to you because they wanted something. They wanted to be a part of it more than they felt maybe they were at the time. Um, so how right. did you navigate that and how did you share your expertise with them and what were you telling them? Sure. So I think the number one thing that I told them was, the number one lesson that I learned, which is my wife didn't know any more than I did. I just kind of assumed based on everything I had seen in society or been told that she would instantly know. It's like the baby comes out and she instantly has 50% more knowledge than I do, whereas that's not the case. And so, right. (laughs) And so there was a lot of me, you know, deferring to her on basic stuff where Uh, you know, sometimes I might have a better idea or just be better at it, whether like I was really good at swaddling, right? And that was my go-to. And, but I wouldn't always jump in and do it because I just kind of thought like, well, I'm not supposed to. And it was, nobody said that. It was just baked into me from, you know, from a young age that this is the way the world is, but we're trying to change that. And so once I got it, and I'd say I got it probably a little bit later than I would have liked, but once I got the fact that look, we're both going through this equally at the same time and we are learning on the fly. We're sharing what works and we're pointing out when somebody is better at something else so the other one can pick up the slack in a different area. And it's really learning the the way in which you and your partner work best together and then knowing each other's strengths and being able to you know lean in and lean out as needed. And so that was the number one piece of advice was to say, look, you're your partner is not going to know any more than you do unless they're coming in with a kid, which the people I was talking to didn't. It was their first kid. And so I said, you're both equally coming into this with no knowledge and you need to not assume she's going to know more and you need to ask a lot of questions and, and work and say, do you think this works? Do you think that works? And it's really more of a conversation between the two of you to figure out how you both both work best together, how you parent together, and then who the child is responding to during what activity and learning those cues 
together and sharing that information and communicating effectively so you can both succeed. So it was really about communicating effectively and, you know, going in, not assuming that you're 10, you know, 10 steps behind because you didn't have the baby. Okay. So listen up moms that are listening because I couldn't agree more about this communication piece. And the thing that really stuck out for me and with my experience with my two kids and my husband is I wish we would have literally been face to face and had, and told each other that neither of us know what we're doing right. <laughs> it would have taken so much pressure off of myself. So it's, it's, I love bringing, bringing your perspective into this conversation because on, on your side of things, you're wanting to get more involved and don't know how on for me as a mom and, and only in my experience anyway, I felt so much pressure to know it all. And it would have been such a relief and such a burden lifted from me had we had my husband and I kind of looked at each other and had that moment of like, we don't know what the hell is going on. (laughs) And we're both in the same boat trying to figure it out. And the pressure would have just been alleviated. But instead, I felt like if he didn't know what he was doing, and I didn't know what I was doing, I had to at least pretend that I knew what I was doing. Right. Because that was baked in. Yeah. Yeah. So that somebody was at least taking the ball and running with it, you know, Um, that that would have taken off so much pressure. And in hindsight, that would have been, that would have been very helpful. (laughs) Right. It's uh, it took a lot longer than I would have liked it to, but eventually we got there. And that's, that's what I keep telling people from day one is like, number one, neither one of you knows what you're doing. So don't act like one of the other knows because you don't and just tell each other that and just be like, I don't know if I'm, what's working. Can you help me? Just keep that line of communication open because that is what's going to keep getting you through the next phase and allowing you to eventually come out on top. Uh, Another question I have, I I also feel that some moms can feel defensive if um, Mm. the dad or their partner says, Hey, I think I might be better at this. Like I might be better at swaddling than you are. Can I, can I take this responsibility on? Um, how did you approach that with your wife when you started communicating the things that you were probably better at um, to her? Sure. So I think, uh, number one, I have to give uh, my wife a lot of credit with that with regards to she was very observant and spoke up herself and said, hey, I think, well, she didn't say you're better at this in that way. She said, I've noticed you're very good at how you're swaddling and I really could use some tips. Can you show me how you do it and really kind of maybe give me some pointers on things I may not be doing as well? And so she really took the ball on that. So I got to give her full credit. But then what that taught me was, you know, I would be doing something and I would be frustrated. And then, you know, I, and I can't quite remember exactly what it is. It might've been, uh, I'm trying to think, oh, my son, my son had a tongue tie when he was born that we had to get um, lasered. And so we were having to do uh, tongue exercises with him. And, you know, there was a, you had to like stick your finger in his tongue and like allow him to like move the tongue around so that way you're really stretching the muscles kind of a thing. And, uh, you know, I wasn't as good at it at first, and I wasn't quite figuring it out. And because we had already had that communication, instead of just trying to make it work or getting defensive, I spoke up and said, you seem to be having a greater effectiveness with the exercises. Can you show me how you're approaching it? So that way I can get better at it. And she said, absolutely. Of course, I'm, I'm super helpful. And I think the way in which we communicate is crucial, not just communicating, but the way in which we communicate. And for me, the way I've found that I effectively communicate is I don't approach, like when I'm talking, I don't say I'm better at this than you, or I think I know better, or I will, whatever. I always approach it with like, Hey, 
I've noticed that, you know, this seems to be a little bit smoother for me. Um, and, and I, I'm not great in this other area. Can you help me with that? And maybe we can share some, some tips and, and some tricks and, and we can do a lot of information sharing. And so I, I approach it from the perspective of, hey, we're in this together. Let's be a community as opposed to let me be the teacher and you be the student and vice versa. And I think when you have a kind of a group think dynamic, it allows, it fosters a this real positive energy culture as opposed to, you know, a back and forth where it's super easy, especially when you've had no sleep and, you know, like, uh, you know, maybe hormones might be raging or you might not have any coffee or whatever the case may be. There's a lot of different factors in play and it's super easy to get defensive when you approach it from like a I, you, I versus you perspective as opposed to let's we come together and collaborate on this. Yeah. So what you're saying is don't be a dick about it. Yes, that is that is the short form, <laughs> the short answer. Yeah. Too long, didn't listen, don't be a dick. <laughs> That's right, perfect. So, right. <laughs> so tell me a little bit more now that you've been a dad. You said your oldest was four and a half? Yes, that's correct. So you've been a dad for four and a half years now. What do you think has gotten a little bit easier over time and even easier with your second child? Uh, it's funny easier um (laughs) um, I think what has gotten easier I guess what I would say is my expectations have gotten easier well no I how do I want to frame this so I think what has enabled me to uh, to feel that things have gotten a lot easier is my approach to the day-to-day life has shifted. And so I think the way in which I can explain that is for a little bit after my daughter was born, I still expected to have the exact same routine I've had my entire working life. And, you know, get up at 5 a.m., exercise, get ready, shower, go to work, yada, 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 all this stuff. And I was like, un- I don't understand why I was so surprised, but I was really surprised and caught off guard that like I would get up and then my daughter would get up and I would have to tend to her and then I didn't have time to work out or I didn't have time to shower. Or I didn't have whatever the case may be. And I was really stunned and I was really feeling behind all the time. And while that feeling didn't go away, eventually after my son was born and I'm at a point now where I've realized like I'm not going to get to everything that I need to get to today. And so I really approach it from a uh, we, my wife and I have this, uh, this philosophy of like, if you're, this is if you're cleaning the house and, and, and you know, people are coming over and you go, what is the number one thing that if somebody walked in, I'd be mortified that they saw. And then you work your way back from there. Most important to least important. And so I I structure my days on what is the absolute, like if the day ended, I would be very upset that this didn't happen, you know? And of course got to go to work every day, but it's like within work, what is that? And then within life, what is that? And then I recognize that everything is subject to change, but my expectations are not tied to, I'm going to get everything done. It's, I want to get five different things done. I'm probably going to get two of them done, but that's okay. And that's allowed me to focus on the fact that my daughter is able to do so much for herself. And she's so excited to tell me about her days at school and my son's, you know, developing and talking and walking and he's showing me all the things that he finds fascinating. And it's allowing me to shift my perspective on, I've got to get everything done to, I'm going to get a couple things done and now I'm going to pivot and just spend time with my kids and fully soak them in before bedtime. And then I'm going to pivot to the next thing. And it's that, that kind of pivoting throughout the day that's allowed me to just relax and take things a little bit easier and a little bit more in stride, which is in turn allowed my mental health and my like physical health to be significantly better as a result. 
I think that's a really good approach. A few of the moms that I've had on this podcast, we've had a similar chat in terms of that overwhelming feeling that you're not getting enough done and that there's not enough hours in the day. Do right. you do you also feel like that's going to be never ending? And we, we, we talked about how at in the, in the moment, especially in the beginning, the first couple of years, your life changes so drastically. And to your point, the schedule all of a sudden changes. The things that you used to be able to do, you can no longer do. And a lot of drops off of your personal plate. And it, at the time, it feels so final. It feels like, okay, this is what it's like to be a parent. This is what it's going to be like forever. And I am never going to get back to the life that I used to have. Is that something that you felt as well? Or is that kind of a mom thing? Uh, no, definitely felt it 100%. And I think, <clears throat> I think I would still feel that if I didn't understand that you have to create a new normal. And so... The number one, like one of the other things I, I was actually speaking to a friend of mine the other day and we were, we were chatting about this and we were, we were talking about the fact that when we first became dads, we did have that overwhelming sense of I've lost my structure, my routine, my sense of self. And now it's being dictated by this tiny human that's screaming and crying and, and all this kind of different stuff. And I don't, I don't, it's, it's almost, it almost feels, and this is going to sound a little controversial, but it almost feels a little unfair in that aspect of like, I've had my life for this X amount of years and now like I don't have it anymore. And it's, Mm -hmm. but then you have to realize that it's like, yeah, but your whole life has been made up of new normals. You just have not been made forcefully aware of it until this moment. And so when you step back and realize like, oh, well that normal I had was only for like three years because before that I was here and doing this and before that I, you know, and so you have to realize that life is ever shifting and life is ever evolving. And then once you realize that this is just the new, the latest chapter in your evolving normal, then you're now set up for success to where you can look at how you want to structure this new normal. And for a couple of years, it's not going to be structured by anything you want to do. You just got to figure out how you can survive in the new normal. But then you get to a point where your kids are a little bit more routine oriented, a little bit more scheduled, and then your schedule kind of slows down and you're able to say, okay, my new normal is this is how I'm going to structure my day. Kids are picked up here, may clean the house, may not. Dinner's on the table, bedtime, like all this stuff. And, and then you start realizing that this new normal, you're going to get used to it and then something else is going to change. And so I think if you realize that your normal is evolving, you're, you're allowing the sense of overwhelming to go away and dissipate. And then you're setting yourself up for success when you've got to pivot to a new normal in a couple of years when your kids are going to school. Yep. I agree with that a hundred percent. And I wish I would have had the understanding of how fleeting each of those stages really are, because again, it would have taken so much pressure off of myself and would have improved my mental health quite a bit during the first few years. Um, And especially when your kids hit around that three year mark and they start to become so much more self-sufficient and they're not going to die if you turn your back on them for two seconds. All of a sudden that, that normal shifts back a little bit more in your favor and right. you a bit more of your own time back and that structure kind of comes back into your schedule and into your day and you can kind of find some more moments for yourself, which is just so important. And even for me right now, I've got a seven-year-old and a four-year-old and they are so much, uh, they are so self-sufficient that I, I can actually work out with them in the house and I do a beach body thing for 30 minutes each night and it's great. They work out with right. me sometimes, sometimes they go and they play by themselves 
And I wouldn't have dreamed of doing that just a year ago, you know, right, right. Some, some of that, um, some of your old self starts to creep back in a little bit, yeah, yep, yep. a little bit older. Right. <laughs> exactly. If you could go back to your pre-kid self and say something to yourself, what would it be? Ooh, that's a good question. I would say the number one thing I would say is don't take on everybody's problems. So I am somebody that I love to play the superhero. I love to play the, you know, the rock kind of a thing. And, and I've heard it's like a dad thing. I've also heard it's just like a strong personality thing. I think both are true in different ways, but it got to a point where, you know, I, I had to, I had to get to a point where I went, I can't do this anymore. I'm not able to take care. I wasn't taking care of myself is the, is the way to do it. And it's because I thought like, well, I'm the least important person. I've got, you know, my kids and I've got, you know, I'm trying to support my wife as well and help her. And, and it was like right after my son was born within the first year. And I was, you know, like I got to help everybody out and I got to do this. And I was not sleeping well. I was not eating well. I was not working out. And I was just like, I was struggling to exist and I finally was like, I can't do it anymore. And then everybody's like, well, nobody expected you to do it all. And then when I spoke up way too late, but when I spoke up and got, you know, everybody in my community to like, you know, help out and, and, you know, build me back up and I was able to do it on my own, then I realized, oh, you, uh, you know, this is like the, the airplane analogy where you've got to put your oxygen mask on first before you can help others. If you don't, you're going to run out of oxygen and pass out. And that's what was happening to me, you know, metaphorically. And, and so if I had to go back, I would tell, you know, my pre-kid self or brand new kid self, don't try to be the superhero, put on your oxygen mask first and make sure you're being taken care of. So you are in the best position to help everybody else. And to ask for help. Yes, exactly. Oh, gosh, such a big mistake that I think all parents make. And we, we do yes. think that we can do it all a, or B that the only way it can get done is if it's done by us. And that right. is such a rookie mistake and one yeah. I, I still make um, all the time. And I, I think that I can push myself and do one more thing or add one more right. thing to the schedule when in reality I could just ask for help and it would make everybody's lives easier. And my guilt always comes from, I think I'm putting the other person out when I'm asking right. for help. And I don't right. know why I can't just get it into my head that they'll just tell me no if they can't do it. It's right. not big deal. Um, yep. I've started to get a little bit better with that. And I'm asking friends to take my kids or pick them up from things where, you know, it would be, it would be a stretch for me to get there from work or, um, it would, you know, just mess the schedule up. And I've been better at asking for help with some things. So I'm, I'm trying to get better. With it. Right. Right. What do you wish there was less of in parenting culture? Your podcast talks about a variety of topics and with all the different types of guests that you've had on um, and as many episodes of you, as you have had, I'm curious to know what you would eliminate from parenting culture today if you could. I wish there was, I guess, instead of less of, I wish there was less screaming and I'll explain on what I mean by that. What I mean is I wish there was more of a concerted effort by parents to understand how they are using things like social media and how they're passing that down to their children now. And I think they're not fully cognizant of the way in which they're representing themselves or their opinions or their perspective online because 
this is so new and foreign of a concept that they are literally, they meaning, you know, myself, you, everybody, the collective, they are learning as we're growing. And some people are learning better than others and some people aren't, but we are already passing down that information to our children, whether or not we realize it. And I wish there was a more concerted effort to reach across the aisle, whether that's politically, metaphorically, whatever, and just look past whatever, you know, you know, thing that makes you hot blooded that someone posts or says, and just really get to find the person underneath because you find, and this is something that I really focus on is the kind of the thesis statement for my podcast now is that we have more in common than we don't. And when we're able to sit down at a table and break bread with each other and just get to know the person that's sitting across from you, you start realizing that they're a person who thinks and feels and loves and grieves in all of the same ways we do. And it doesn't matter what it is that you were frustrated about because they're still a person and whether or not we agree with them doesn't matter. What matters is if we're able to still be human enough to work together to create a better society. And I don't think you're seeing that a lot nowadays because people are so conditioned to be siloed. I was having this conversation with somebody the other day where used to, you had to work to find that commonality because if you wanted to talk to somebody in New York or California or Arizona, you had to go physically drive there. And most people cannot do that. So you had to make do with the people around you. And now you don't have to do that. You can be siloed off if you want to. And it's easy to find a group of people that agree with you on whatever it is it may be. And it's conditioned people to not work through that initial disagreement, but instead to buff up against that and then say, well, screw you, dude. And just, you know, go on about their way. And it's just, it's teaching our children that you don't have to actually get to know people or work together to create a better world. It's teaching them that you can be selective about who you talk to and just get more and more vitriolic in your responses. And that, that I'm not here for that. So. So when you talk about passing down this, our social content, do you mean, you're not necessarily talking about the pictures we're posting of our kids. You're talking about content, the conversations, um, somebody's dumbass comment about Trump. That's what you're talking about. And then how does that, how does that reflect on you? Um, and, and what, and what is your kid learning from that, um, in the future? Is that what you're talking about? That is a hundred percent what I'm talking about. So you have people and I've got lots of friends that are on both sides of the political spectrum and I see both sides posting very, uh, very clickbaity material, right? Whether like, you know, uh, Trump's doing this or, you know, Obama was doing that or whatever the case may be. And it's, it's instead of just having a conversation in person about maybe what policies you agree or disagree on and just kind of like talking through like, well, we know this problem is broke. We know healthcare is broken. You may, you and I may have different ways on how to solve it, but let's talk through that to find like where there's some common ground. They're just saying like, you know, Obamacare is good or Obamacare is bad. And it's like, well, there's a lot more nuance or the Affordable Care Act, I should say. The, uh, there's a lot more nuance to it than just this is right or this is wrong, but we're not taking the time to see what that is. We're just yelling yes or no. And it's like the world's not black and white or red and blue. You know, there's a lot of gray area there that we're not taking the time to, to process. And 
it, what I fear is that because we're so yes or no, we're teaching our children that there is no gray area. It's either right or wrong. And I think that is a dangerous, a dangerous game to play, in my opinion. I think that's interesting. And I have to wonder if it's always been the same conversation and it's always been a divisive one, yes or no, black or white, mm -hmm. but because it's online, it's documented there forever. So sure. I wonder if these conversations were always happening, but they were happening, happening at the barbershop or the coffee shop or the water cooler at work. Right. And there's no official record of it. You know, there's nothing right. to, there's no archive of that conversation yeah. that you had. So you could get into a, a bickering match with somebody at a ball game over politics, but then after the ball game's over, you go your separate ways, never to be heard from again. Right, um, right, right. Whereas now, you know, you take that, you take that conversation online and that could potentially be there as a record uh, forever. Right. And that's, yeah. that's really interesting. I, I have to agree that I, I do wonder if parents have the forethought to understand what's coming in the future when their kids are old enough to search them online and, and, yeah. find you know, I have those thoughts about this podcast even, or my blog yeah. and, and when my kids, you know, stumble upon this someday. And I of course hope that they're, they're proud of the content that I'm putting out and the conversations that I'm having. And I love the fact that they will get a glimpse into my life as it stands today and, and what right. I'm talking about and what I'm most interested in and passionate about. But I, I still always wonder, you don't, you never know how they're going to react to something like that. So that's an interesting perspective because I think more often people talk about the do's and don'ts of posting your kid's picture online. And I think, right. I think this is a much more important conversation to have right. on that. <laughs> yeah. So I, I love that you're talking about that. And, and yeah, I hope people kind of think about that a little bit before they, before they post something. Right. You know, I had, um, I had a family member. So I, I was uh, kind of talking to you earlier about, before we went online, about my, my friend Nick North, who's a, a, a trans man. He's a dad, and he's, uh, he originally birthed four of his five children. And his story is uh, really unique in that he can touch on motherhood and fatherhood. But I have, you know, being in Texas, I have ties to a lot more conservative family members and friends, as well as a lot of my more progressive family members and friends as well. So it's a nice like kind of middle ground that I like to, that I like that I live in. But to that end, I have people that listen to the, to my podcast, uh, specifically this one family member who was so touched by Nick's story that they reached out to me. They not only shared it, which was unheard of for them, but they privately reached out and said, I would never have lit. If you had told me this, who this guy was and what his story was on any other thing, I never would have taken the time of day to listen to it. But because it's you and I trust you and I value your input, I listened to the story, I was directly impacted, and now it's allowed me to realize that the trans community, I've been approaching them all wrong and I'm gonna seriously reconsider like how I interact with them and how I talk about them in the future. You've really made a direct impact on me. And that, that right there is, is the crux of what I'm trying to do because now they are going to think about what they're posting or what they're talking about or what they're sharing. Whereas before they were just like, I've never met anybody. I'm going to put this group of people in a box and label them and be afraid of them or think they're wrong or whatever the case may be. And it's just, it's so crucial when you are able to directly like show your children how you're evolving as a person with your mindset and your views and your, the way you're speaking, then they can see that, you know, especially if it's something like this where it's online, you can see the record of it. And, and then they're able to see, okay, like people can grow and people can change. And to me, that's a way more impactful message than, than, you know, anything I can shout one way or another.
So let's jump in a little bit about your podcast. This is a great segue into it. You mentioned as we were chatting before we started talking officially, uh, you're really focused on bringing a variety of guests in and understanding their perspectives. So why don't you tell my audience just a little bit more about your podcast and, and what your goal is? Sure, absolutely. So uh, the podcast is called Detox Podcast. The D stands for dad, so it's dad talks. But I play on the word detox, D-E-T-O-X. And so the thesis of my podcast is I want, it's a parenting podcast where you can come detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. And I want people to come detox with detox. And I have parents and non-parents alike on the show now. We've evolved it since last year. And we really look at their individual journeys and life stories through the lens of parenting. How are they raised? How has that impacted the decisions they've made either to have children, to not have children, how they're approaching their day-to-day life and how they're trying to use whatever they're doing to make a positive impact on the world around them. And it's so interesting to me to when you really dive down deep and it's almost a little bit like a pseudotherapy session and you dive down deep into these people's lives, you really start having them see the, the, the trail of one decision led to another decision, which led to another decision. And they start realizing how their parents impacted them. And it's really allowed me a lot of reflective moments where I've gone, you know, re-examined my own personal life growing up and then also examined like, how am I approaching my kids? One of the conversations I had on the last episode with the Gibbons is where I talked about, you know, uh, one of the guitar players, Brandon, he talked about how he moved out at 16 because he wanted to pursue music full-time and his parents didn't want him to. And he was so mad at them. And I, I pointed out the fact, I said, well, I think your parents were parenting for the future as opposed to parenting in the now. And I said, we as parents can get so caught up in what little decision that our children are doing. Can we think about the 10, 20, 30 years down the line instead of just addressing it in the here and now, because it's just, they took a crayon out of a kid's hand. They're not robbing a bank, right? We don't need to always overreact, but it's so easy to. And when you start thinking about it and you hearing these stories and you point that out, they start learning more about their lives. We start learning more about our lives. And in turn, I hope it helps impact the way in which we raise our children. So it was kind of a long little rambly way, but, but, but I got there. It started out as parenting advice, the show did, and then it pivoted to dad journeys. And then, but now we're looking at everybody's journeys through the lens of parenting. I think it's a much more fascinating conversation to have overall. I love it. I think your, your guests are fascinating. So everyone needs to go and check it out. Where can they find you online besides searching for detox on uh, their favorite player? Sure. So uh, you can all, so everything is on detoxpodcast.com. So D-T-A-L-K-S podcast.com on all the socials at detox podcast. And then uh, you can always, if you have, if you want to reach out to me personally, you can email detoxpodcast at gmail.com. Perfect. And I want to wrap up with just one more question because you started off this conversation telling me that in in maybe a more unique way than most dads that you've kind of been dreaming about being a dad and you had had names picked out when you were in high school, which I think is just so lovely. Um, So now that you've actually gotten into the nitty gritty of parenting, what has surprised you about this journey? Is there something that's been surprising about how you actually parent versus what you were dreaming of before having kids or what's been a little bit of a surprise? I think the biggest surprise for me has been how quickly I was able to abandon 
anything I wanted for my future and wholly focus on my children's future. And that surprised me because I always knew that was a part of it. Like just, I innately understood like the concept, but there's something so different between thinking about it and having your firstborn in your arms and looking down into their eyes and going like, I don't care what happens to me. I want you to have the best life in the entire world. And just the, ability at which I am making all of my decisions through the lens of how is this helping or hurting my children's lives was crazy. Like I can't even think about how I made decisions pre-children because it's like, it's like I abandoned that entire thought process the moment my, my daughter was born. And that really surprised me, but it's been a really pleasant change because it's, you know, everybody always says it, it's such a cliche, but you don't know what it's like to be a parent until you're a parent. And it's just this switch that gets flipped in your mind and I wouldn't change it for the world. A big thank you to Joe Shaw for coming on the show. I've linked up his podcast in the show notes at thisisparentingpodcast.com, but be sure to search Detox Podcast on your favorite player. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Detox Podcast, or visit DetoxPodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com.